HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Restaurants across the country are in need of support as a result of the devastating effects COVID-19 is having on this industry. If we don't help now, some of our favorite community gathering spaces may not be there when this crisis is over. Restaurant Opportunities Center United has compiled a list of local resources supporting the restaurant industry from cities and states across the country. From North Carolina's Triangle Area Restaurant Workers Resources to Nebraska's COVID-19 Response Fund, Minnesota's Immigrant Family Fund, Georgia's Giving Kitchen, and many, many more, we can all find a cause to support. Visit rockunited.org relief. That's rocunited.org relief to find a list of national, state, and local resources. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. Today, I hope people are tuning in to Tech Bytes. It is March 24th, 2020. We are coming to you remote, recording over Zencaster to try and keep the show going and talk about what restaurant organizations and institutions are doing now to support the business, support the industry, and support each other. Today, our guest is Mitchell Davis, the Chief Strategy Officer from the James Beard Foundation. If you are a faithful listener of Heritage Radio, you will know that he used to host a show called Taste Matters. The last one was back in May 2014. It was a great show, and it was actually one of the inspirations for me to start this podcast. He's taking a break from his uh, duties today to talk with us about the James Beard Foundation Food and Beverage Industry Relief Fund and what's happening in the world. <laughs> Mitchell, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Jennifer? Um, it's <laughs> funny to be talking to you through my computer and my own headsets rather than in the studio at Roberta's, but I'm glad that we can connect. It is. And it's so funny. And, you know, you have been a guest on the show so many times because of all of the different things that you do from um, being the chief creative officer at the World Expo, which seems like a lifetime ago. And most recently, you were on Tech Bytes in uh, the end of 2019 in January, talking about the virtual reality dinner series that you had, Errol Banquets at the Beard Foundation, which seemed like an amazing surreal dining experience, but now it seems kind of like charming and entertainment. 
Yeah, now the reality seems more surreal than virtual reality, I have to say. Um, hard to imagine even just two weeks ago that we'd be where we are. Um, I mean, as a world, but particularly as a restaurant industry, it's just it's just crazy out there. So we, um, I've been trying to keep some semblance of the format of the show, and we're having a bunch of different people on, but we always started the show talking about apps and talking about digital technology. And I will ask you, in this very unusual time, digital life and computers and the internet have become so critical to staying connected and getting things done. Is there an app or a platform that you have found particularly helpful in your day-to-day in terms of recreating your your work life virtually in in your home uh in fact yes and it's a funny one for me to say because my whole life um on computers i have been an apple person and have always defaulted to their programs but recently as an organization we switched over to a full microsoft platform and we're using this program called microsoft teams which is their version of the sort of video chat but it's been amazing. And I've been on so many calls of different apps, which are all overloaded as everyone is working from home and working in different ways. And um, and we've had no problems whatsoever. It's just been great to see everybody. We've had as many as 40 people on a on a meeting. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I, I'm a real fan. Hmm. So it might be changing allegiances in the yep. in the pandemic. We also have on the line our engineer, Matt Patterson, who is running the radio station remote from uh, outside the city. Matt, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm well. Uh, yeah, from, from sunny Rhode Island. Very nice. Outside of the, uh, uh, the hotspot in New yeah, York yeah. City. Mm-hmm. The, the epicenter. Now, outside of Zencaster, which I'm sure is a part of your day-to-day life now, is there a digital platform that's been really helpful for you? Mm, no, I've just upped my social media. I mean, like, I, I pay more attention to Instagram and Twitter than I previously had. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't made any discoveries of, of yet. Okay. Well, keep us posted. And how many how many shows a day? How many shows a week are we still producing for Heritage? Uh, that's a good question. People are, you know, everybody's dealing with a bunch of changes. Uh, so I think that on any given week, 60 to 70% of the normal schedule is still happening. People come and go as they as their personal lives become more or less complicated. But but I say we're around there. That's fantastic. That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, so I- and there have been some really important conversations that have happened here. So I'm really happy that it's uh, it's happening that way. So everyone can take a look at heritageradionetwork.org and everything is there. It's a, And if not only is it timely um, in terms of people doing real-time shows for resources and stories of what's happening, but if you've got some free time, there are... I think 15,000 episodes now on our archives, which, you know, if you're looking to binge listen to a podcast, you know, we got you covered. So I'm so happy to talk to Mitchell Davis today about the James Beard Foundation and what they've been doing. You know, there's so many things about this where we start to see numbers 
that we didn't realize. I think at some stage in just about everybody's life, someone has worked in a restaurant or a bar. Maybe it was your first job. Maybe it puts you through college. You know, maybe it was a passion project. But when we start to see the numbers of what the restaurant and food industry really supports, I have to admit, even though, you know, I have been a part of the industry for more than, you know, 25 years, I was surprised to see that the American restaurant and food industry represents a trillion dollars of business. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, projected sales, according to the National Restaurant Association for 2020, were $899 billion in restaurant money spent in restaurants. And as we know, the the trend is is more and more f- food being consumed outside of home, which means restaurants in the broadest sense, any place that prepares food, delivers food, etc. But yeah, it's big. And it's 4% of our domestic product and 16% of the American workforce works in restaurants. Yep. Actually, I think the stat is one in three people have worked in a restaurant at some point in their lives, which is kind of incredible. Not many things we can all share, good and bad, like that. Yeah. Amazing. And so, you know, while, you know, this, we we have sort of the global view of, of what we see on the news, and then we have our local view of what's happening in our cities across the country, um, but this is so significant and it seems that it's happening so quickly with the different shutdowns in different cities and then, you know, the economy coming to a halt. It seems like the James Beard Foundation had moved very quickly to set this fund up. Can you sort of walk us through how you create something so large so quickly and then what you aim to do and then how people can participate? Sure. And and there's a few things that we're doing. I'll, I'll sort of lay a little bit of the groundwork and then get specific. I mean, obviously, um, we saw very quickly, we're an organization that does a lot of different types of things, but all of them involve gathering, whether it's dinners or um, tra- training programs for chefs and policy advocacy or all kinds of stuff. And very, very quickly, we realized that we had to stop um, everything, um, stop um, operating the events at the Beard House and around the country, postpone the James Beard Awards, which we're right in the middle of award season. In fact, tomorrow was supposed to be the announcement of the nominees for the 2020 Beard Awards um, and and pivot everyone. I mean, we have a staff of over, I think it's 45 or 47 people right now, pivot everyone once we dealt with um, postponing or canceling or what we needed to do with the events and notifying everybody and making sure that everybody was safe and, and ourselves working remotely was then to figure out how to help this industry, which unlike some others, I mean, everyone is suffering except probably the hand sanitizer producers and some of the delivery folks and toilet paper manufacturers, but but everyone is suffering in some way, but restaurants are such such unique small businesses. They are pervasive. And as we were saying, you know, worth about a trillion dollars in revenue, but they operate quite differently from other small businesses, very low margins, very high labor forces. Much of that labor isn't even paid by the restaurant. If you think all the servers that are paid by tips primarily, um, something that's in the process of changing in some places, but for the most part, um, a huge labor force, uh, not a lot of benefits because of the margins. It's a temporary hourly force, so not a lot of healthcare, uh, sick leave, all the sort of stuff that you take for granted in other industries, which are suffering n- nonetheless, but but are unique. And, and then a, a final thing that's really important is that 
Um, it's a very, very dispersed industry. So whereas I think someone was, was um, some chef was uh, posting about the cruise ship industry, which obviously is not offering cruises anymore, but there's like four or five giant companies that, that run almost all the cruises in the world. And in the U.S., there are, um, I think there are 660,000 restaurants, wow. of, which, of which they estimate um, 300 to 500,000 are independent. So, I mean, you may have five restaurants, you may have 10 restaurants, most people just have one restaurant. But if you try to imagine um, aggregating that industry, even though it is so big, you have to, you have to reach a lot of people. I mean, sometimes at the Beard Awards, we, we, it's so funny, we'll, we'll um, certain restaurants for our America's Classics, for instance, will win a Beard Award. And it's really hard for us to get in touch with them. They, they don't pick <laughs> up the phone, they don't have email. We had one uh, this year, we had to send the mayor from a town in Texas, in Brownsville, Texas, to go tell the restaurant that we were legit and let them know. And in fact, that mayor has been checking in with us. Um, so so it's, we're not talking major corporations here or a very organized um, industry, especially in the independent restaurant side. So, so as an organization, we've, we've really pivoted um, to doing what we possibly can to help make sure that there are now, in this moment, when so many restaurants are temporarily closed, that that does not become permanently closed. And some estimates, I think Tom Colicchio has been citing an estimate that some 75% of restaurants may not reopen. And that's just, I mean, it's hard to fathom. Well, I think what listeners may not understand, you know, we do have a, a huge percentage of our audience who are in the industry. And then we have a another group of listeners who are just interested in tech or who really love food. When When we talk about restaurants and things like small margins and things like not having a lot of resources, what the general public may not be aware of is that if a restaurant is not running at 100% capacity, most days of the week, one or two days of zero income will, will put them into the red. And when we talk about small margins, we're talking about margins of profitability that are far below 10% that are, you know, one, two, three, four, and five percent. And the thing that's been interesting that we've talked so much about on this show is with the advent of technology and delivery and so much opportunity on the consumer side, restaurant margins and restaurant pricing has remained more or less static over the past few years, in spite of the fact that minimum wage has gone up in spite of the fact that every delivery service that the restaurant has to add adds an extra 5, 10, 15, 20, 30% of a commission. Technology, social media platforms, all those things, the expenses of restaurants have gone up, but the income and price points have not. So we're really, we are kind of reaching a, a, a crossroads and what some would say, you know, the, the, a big reckoning in the industry because of these things. And with these shutdowns and these zero income situations now, it, that's why someone like Tom Clicchio and industry leaders are saying 75% of the restaurants may not make it back. Yeah. And I think so... And I think it's that's a really important point. Um, and and those restaurants that are operating on small margins are successful as restaurants goes. Like one of the things I think we've had to work against, and I'll, uh, I'll get into a little bit of the specific work we've been doing over the last week or so, which is hard to believe it's only been a week, is that restaurants, when they're well run, still don't have cash reserves, still don't have large margins. It's just not that kind of industry. And so as an organization, we've decided to focus in two different areas. And there's lots of people doing tremendous work 
from the individual restaurant to um, sort of municipal or citywide uh, communities trying to help the restaurants and then and then statewide and, and federal. And, and we've decided to help aggregate this very decentralized independent restaurant sector um, in two different ways. The first is working with folks like Tom Kalikio and Kwame Anuachi in Washington and, and a, an amazing roster of chefs to found an organization called the Independent Restaurant Coalition, which is right now this second lobbying um, in Washington to make sure that restaurants are considered part of the giant two, possibly $2 trillion stimulus package. And, and the effort there is is to make people understand that restaurants don't operate like other small businesses, that you have to look at them and what they've done in very different ways. Most restaurants that have closed laid off much of their staff, in part because they can't carry them, but there isn't much carry cost for staff in restaurants. It's actually more so that they can get unemployment sooner, so they can take benefits sooner. So in some of the provisions in Washington in the stimulus package that should be signed today, they say, we wanted to make sure that restaurants were understood and that they'd be allowed to bring back people and, and maintain them on payrolls and and cover capital costs for reopening because you can't just you don't just close the door on your restaurant today and three months later open it and suddenly you're ready to go you have you have to restock it you have to retrain you have to rehire you have to pay your rent you have to do all this sort of stuff and so so it's not easy and without cash reserves and margins we wanted to make sure that all the stimulus packages whether it was republican or democrat or senate or congress um, all of them took into account the unique nature of independent restaurants and we've been very successful with this group if you see save if you go to save restaurants co.co, you'll see who signed on. And you might have seen the yellow and blue heart uh, that says save restaurants on social media. Um, and in just four days, the lobby, quote unquote, of the coalition of independent restaurants has has blown away Washington. In fact, our the professional people we're working with have been so surprised at how successful it's been because Mitch McConnell sort of made special provisions for restaurants in their bill. Uh, Pelosi is maintaining those special provisions in the bill that they're proposing. So we're hopeful that in the end, some of that stimulus money nationally will go to the unique situation that restaurants find themselves in. And that's a big win. And we'll continue to work on that front. Um, but on the grassroots level, and and this is, I think, what you were referring to earlier, we just know that people are in dire situations. You, you see restaurants trying to um, retool for delivery or trying to create their own GoFundMes to pay their staff and do all these sorts of things. And so as an organization, we created something called the James Beard Foundation Food and Beverage Industry Relief Fund. And you can find that at jamesbeard.org slash relief. Um, and what that is right now is just a repository for all the partners and corporations who are want to help the industry. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, San Pellegrino reached out immediately with a million dollar donation. Patron made a $425,000 donation to that fund. Um, we're taking individual donations and, um, and nonprofit foundation grants and all sorts of stuff. And it's going to be very simple. As soon as it launches, hopefully by the end of this week, there's a lot of administrative stuff to deal with. We're going to be able to give um, a decent uh, grant out in a first come first serve basis to rest independent restaurants who fill out a simple application, not nearly as complex as the small business administration uh, loans that the national stimulus will use, and and get some get some help to stay open, to keep to change focus, to delivery, to do all the things, sorts of things, so that we can assure at least for the short term they'll be able to exist. And we have just thrown a lot at everybody, but. But um, it's been a crazy time. I mean, all, none of this happened six days ago. None of this was in place. And it's been a very, very busy time for us and for everybody in the industry. 
We are going to take a quick break to find out who the amazing organization is that is underwriting this show. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit and we keep the lights on and the mics hot entirely out of the generosity of our corporate sponsors, grants, and members who are mostly listeners like you? There are a lot of things to donate to in this time and a lot of people who need help and relief. So we are very grateful to have our sponsors stick with us so that we can continue to bring you great stories from around the country. Stay with us. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And right now, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are focusing our coverage on people and institutions and businesses that are coming together and providing relief and resources to the restaurant community and and the world at large. If you have a story that you think is important or resources you would like us to share with listeners, get in touch. We're very interactive. You can find us at TechBytesHRN on social media and on email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. Today we're talking with Mitchell Davis, the Chief Strategy Officer of the James Beard Foundation, about the Foundation's Food and Beverage Industry Relief Fund and some other efforts that are happening around the country to support the restaurant community. So a question to you, um, which circles back to that restaurant in Texas that didn't know about the foundation that didn't believe that you were legitimately trying to give them an award and probably thought you were some some spamming scam or something like that. How much of the restaurant industry is actually very low tech and maybe not online or maybe not understanding um, where to go for help and things like that? Do you think that there's a pocket of the industry that is um, so low tech and not going to be aware of these different kinds of things? Uh, I'm sure there is and are, um, although, you know, generationally, I think that's changing. But one of the great things about restaurants, especially restaurants, the kind of restaurants that you don't know, that you don't know the chef and they didn't win awards, is that they're really part of their communities. And so 
I mean, what we're finding is that the regulars of a restaurant will keep them informed, keep the owners informed. You know, I mean, you know this as well as anyone. You're married to a great chef. But when you're in the restaurant business, you, you actually check out of the world in some ways. You, you, it, your hours are different from everybody's. You're not watching news. You're not seeing the movies. You, yes, you, you're I, in a different... I often liken it to being a submarine captain where he <laughs> sort of waves from the shore and says, I'll be working for six months. I'll be back. <laughs> right, exactly. So what? So what keeps them connected are the communities that come in the front of the, the restaurant, the clientele, and also the sort of staff, the waiters and folks that come through the back. And so I do think that restaurants are these nexuses of, of community and society and economies. Um, and that's how they'll find out. And and I think, I mean, just to go back to something, yes, restaurants are a trillion dollar business, but if you think of them as nexuses of the food system, really, at large, and you think of all the suppliers, the the fishermen, the um, the farmers, the distributors, they're, they're really these, these nodes of a global food system that have tremendous ripple effects. And without them working, I mean, I've seen photographs of piles of, of fruit rotting and fish going bad because this, this um, important um, sort of thoroughfare of, of, of distribution has just shut down immediately and, and people don't know what to do. And in the aggregate, any one restaurant may not go through a tremendous amount or have a huge role to play, but together they keep the world moving. So, so there really are tremendous ripple effects um, that we need to be care of, take care of um, and aware of. And that's another reason that I think we've been quite successful in some of the lobby efforts to try to, to as a, as this coalition tries to make sure that, that, um, this industry is as vital to life, in fact, more so for many people than airlines or tech or what have you, because it's it's really about about culture and society. So it goes back to the idea that there are a handful of big airline companies and a handful of big cruise line companies, and they have the power of those industries consolidated amongst just a few people, which makes it easy for a couple people to get on a call and have a conversation and then go to the government and say, this is what we want. To your point of there being um, so many restaurants, I mean, in New York City alone, I think in the five boroughs, we have something like 20,000 restaurants or something to yeah, that effect. It's hard to say, but yeah, 20 to 30, it's 30,000. Yeah, it's amazing. And to get people together and, and be a united force. So that's that's really an amazing job. Tell us so tell us, um, if someone is a restaurant or a food business, they can go to jamesbeard.org backslash relief, and that's where the information is to applying for relief and funds. Is that the same website people should go to if they want to make a contribution? Uh, actually, right now, you can, make a con- you can only make a contribution there. We, we are trying to build the mechanism um, to take applications and distribute them. Um, it's complicated for a bunch of reasons that have as much to do with the IRS as that has to do with with how, like, it's not that easy to give out money, which it turns out is just the irony of ever, all ironies. Uh, but we need to do it in a way that's completely fair, completely transparent, that, that plays no favorites. And so we've had to set up a separate um, nonprofit, a fiscal sponsor that can receive the money, et cetera, et cetera. But if you go to jamesbeard.org backslash relief, you will see the details there. You can contribute now. Um, you won't be able to apply until the end of this week, most likely, when we have finalized all of the legalities of giving away money. 
one of the challenges here, I'll, I'll, I'll be totally transparent, is most um, organizations that give out money give them to nonprofits. Not many give them to for-profits. And even though many people who own restaurants consider them nonprofits for all the reasons we just discussed, they in fact are for-profits. So there's, there's some added complexity. But um, if you go there now, if you send an email to relief at jamesbeard.org, we will make sure to be tracking you. We'll be able to inform you as soon as it's up and ready and you can apply um, and and you'll be in the loop um, for when we start to give out this money. And our goal, we're, we're going to continue to raise money as people are, are, we have requests coming inbound about places that people can contribute. So, and if you have money to donate, then yes, please come to jamesbeard.org backslash relief and, and make a donation. It's so amazing. We see so many things online and on social media of, you know, restaurants, uh, reopening and creating a food bank or food pantry kind of things, restaurants creating delivery. Um, We see people trying to support their local restaurants, you know, by ordering delivery and ordering gift cards and the ancillary support and everything. But it's, it's, um, it's a very chaotic time and it's hard to know uh, what the best thing is to do and, and how we can best help. I've seen a lot of, um, posts on social media of the James Beard Foundation Food and Beverage Industry Relief Fund hearts and also um, phone numbers to call Washington, call your representatives, all those kinds of things. Is is there something that the foundation is, you know, recommending as concentrate our efforts here or easy things to do? Of course, you know, people staying at home and staying safe at this juncture is also paramount which is so frustrating to the restaurant industry yes. because what we do is we go and we come together and we get together and we make food and we do stuff and we feed people and we go around. So it's, it's uh, very uh, stifling and counterintuitive to what the natural response is to people in the restaurant industry. Yep. Um, it's a great question. I mean, I think there are a few calls to action, and I'm glad that you started with or ended with the one about staying home. As you know, my husband is a um, healthcare professional, a physician who is on the front lines of this for a large New York City hospital, and he's been calling up people who are not taking this seriously, our friends, and and screaming at them to stay home. This is very serious, especially if you're compromised. But young people despite what's in the news, young people are are being um, adversely affected by COVID-19. So that's first. But since you're home, as you said, I think it's really important um, from a political action standpoint to call your state representatives, your governor, your state senate, whatever, and tell them that you think this is a really important issue because you believe restaurants are an important part of the local community and the local economy. And then to call Washington, your other senators, they are you know, around the clock, they were negotiating all night. They're trying to take a thousand, you know, different interest groups and weave them into something that can pass two legislatures in in such a difficult um, political environment. But from everything we've heard, people are really coming together from both sides of the aisle. And so I think it's important for, for individuals to take the time they have at home, use their phones and their fingers and and be involved. And of course, there are a million issues and in other industries that we think are great, but but food is food is a primary one. And and I think 
I do think, you know, if, if it's three months from now and, and the sun is shining as it is today and you want to leave your house, it's like, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to your coffee shop? You want to go have a drink, meet some friends in a bar? You want to have lunch in a cafe or, or take out a fresh you whatever? Want to go and, to, you want to go to a grocery store and buy something and bring it home and make something for your family. Or yeah. you want to go to the bakery and get a loaf of French bread and come back and have a sandwich. Exactly. So I think it's really important that people understand food is one of those funny things that we take for granted because it is so normal. It's so frequent and our quotidian. And so we take it for granted, but, but um, there are just so many people, so many systems, so many uh, networks and, and um, elements to the food system that the collapse of it would just be dire. I think. Well, I, I think, um, you know, one of, one of the uh, places I've been going for my news is the New York Times. And I think they're doing a phenomenal job in terms of covering so many different aspects of this, along with covering some regular, you know, everyday kind of things that we need to see. But they have been doing a great job on the infographics. And they have a, an infographic video that's up now um, that very simply using maps and like red dots sort of shows the expansion and the transmission of COVID-19 um, starting, you know, at the point of inception and then going to the world. You know, infographics are so powerful right now, especially because we're on social media and we're taking little snapshots of things. I would love to see an infographic that sort of replicates the actual impact of a restaurant and the restaurant industry. And we talked about some of those things here, but again, I don't know if people really understand the depth and breadth of how many businesses a restaurant is supporting. We talk about the employees in the door and we talk about the food because those are the easy ones. We don't talk about the laundry service and the delivery service and the garbage removal service and the electricians and the accounting services and the attorneys. And there Mm -hmm. is a huge, huge, huge infrastructure behind restaurants that each one represents. And then when you scale it up to even a restaurant group that maybe has like five or 10 or, you know, something that has 20 or 30 restaurants, if you sort of built that domino effect of all of the businesses and all of the people, I think it would start to um, perhaps make more of an impression on people. Because the same way we think about it as being a part of our everyday, it's so much of a part of our everyday that it's hard to think about that tiny little, you know, coffee shop run by two people behind the counter as having a significant impact. But the amount of money that that tiny two-person coffee shop generates from coffee beans all the way down to like sanitation and all those things. And then, you know, the impact of when people go to work, what's happening with their children and their families and the transportation and the MTA and all those kinds of things. I just, you know, the New York Times video on the spread of the virus was amazingly impactful in a very simple and graphic non-alarmist way that Maybe somebody, you know, listening or maybe somebody who's, you know, doing those kinds of things can can create a snapshot of something that people can see and understand why it's a trillion dollar business. That's a great point, And it does help to visualize it. And I, I think we have a few people working on it. I'll, I'll point people to two different things, if I may. Um, this morning, Naomi Pomeroy, who's a James Beard award winning chef in 
um, Oregon at a restaurant called Beast, a small restaurant prefix, um, not inexpensive, but she only has 15 employees. It's very lovely. I happened to be there coincidentally for the 10th anniversary dinner, just ate there alone. And it's really special. She's been a strong voice in this independent restaurant coalition. And she has an op-ed that ran this morning in the Washington Post that t- explains a lot of these connections and why it's so difficult, why she didn't think she could switch to delivery because they're very small. And also she just didn't want to put her employees at risk for cross-contamination. Um, so I would suggest people read that. Um, and there's some calls to action there on the national scale. I would also suggest if you're concerned about food and food service and the, te- the, the, the transmission of the virus on Serious Eats, uh, Kenji uh, Lopez-Alt, um, who's a great um, food um, gu- guru, science-like master, has compiled a really comprehensive guide about any risks associated with food service in these times. There's very little, almost no known, in fact, I think there is no known transmission of the virus through food. So you don't need to worry about that. There are some hygiene and things, but I, I found it very reassuring to, to read his thorough review of the literature and what people know and to make people order and eat and, and sort of, to whatever extent, live their normal lives. Um, there's new stuff coming out every day, every hour practically, but but I do think it really helps to to um, to cut through some of the panic and hysteria, which there will always be. This is a panic time, but and and support um, do the things that you can to support the things that are important to you, and to make sure that you're well fed and eating not just nutritiously but gastronomically well, because um, it's one of the few pleasures that we can we can all share right now. Well, and to that point, if um, you aren't already, everyone should follow Mitchell on Instagram. His Instagram is at Kitchen Sense, and he he's one of the great home cooks of America and the world. And he's, you know, his Instagram feed is just uh, a cornucopia of delicious things. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, you can also kind. follow um, at Jane. What's the um, James Beard, Beard Foundation? At Beard Foundation on Instagram and Twitter at Beard Foundation. And then at the jamesbeard.org slash relief, there's also some additional resources that people can find there. Um, Are there a couple other websites or organizations that you think are good one-stop shop for resources right now? Uh, Off the top of my head, it's hard for me to think. ROC Restaurant Opportunity Center has some great um, help for uh, restaurant workers. Ed Lee and the Lee Initiative is organizing restaurants to feed hospitality workers um, out of existing restaurants. So if you've lost your job and you're having some trouble making ends meet, as many people are, um, there's... Also at the Beard Foundation, you'll find a page of resource, COVID-19 resources. We're trying to compile as much as we can. There's so much going on, but but that's another good place to start. Um, and we can share perhaps on your website um, some others as they come to mind. I just don't have them at, at the ready. Well, we are just about out of time. And I know Mitchell has to jump on to another call in a in a busy day. Um, but I want to thank you for taking the time to come on and, and share what the foundation is doing. And it's also, it was a good excuse to get to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, always a pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. It's really important that um, more and more people are aware of what's going on and what they can so do. So we, as I said at the top of the show, we are using Tech Bytes as a platform to talk to different people in the food and restaurant and tech industry about what they are doing right now. And how people can participate and where they can go to contribute to a relief effort or go to get some relief if they're in need. If you are listening and you have a story 
or information that you think is important for us to share with the world, get in touch with us. TechBytes at heritageradionetwork.org is our email. You can find us on social media at TechBytesHRN. Of course, we live at heritageradionetwork.org where all the shows and all the information, we have a lot, a lot of hosts who are doing remote coverage um, right now during the pandemic, talking with um, attorneys and other purveyors and other vendors about what people are doing and how they're coming together to really help each other. So I guess this is one of those silver lining things. Um, I was always very insistent about doing my show face to face. And so this is, this is a brave new world where Actually, hearing people's voices in real time is is really uh, extraordinary and something that I look forward to every week. So I want to thank Matt for coming on and doing his engineering duties from afar. Mitchell Davis, Chief Strategy Officer of the James Beard Foundation and the James Beard Foundation for everything that they're doing. We will continue to make radio once a week. I'm Jennifer Leitzi, and this is Tech Bytes. TechBytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the ways that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to firsthand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how this crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate.